Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast, episode 152. Of course, I am your host, Armand Lee, welcoming each and every one of you all, hoping that everyone had a safe holiday weekend. Uh, hopefully, everybody stayed safe, had fun with your family. It was an extended weekend, obviously. Maybe you checked out Hamilton. Maybe you got on the barbecue. Whatever it is, hopefully, everyone had fun and stayed safe. Most importantly, we are back after a week uh, break a week off and we are back with the vengeance with a friend of the show obviously there's so much going on in the past uh seven to 14 days since the last time you've heard me and friend of the program ben standig is dropping by as you can imagine so much to be discussed when it comes to dc sports teams but also in the sports world at large also the nba did y'all kind of like the bill simmons of the sports world that doesn't sound right. Maybe you don't understand. Trust me. Second quarter, I will break it all down for you. All of that, plus we give praise to an athlete who is somehow much greater off the court than she has been on it. And she, trust me, is a Hall of Fame player on it. All of that and so much more. But first, our number one topic this week. First quarter. There is a reckoning going on right before our eyes. And it doesn't matter if you are uh, in the private sector, if you are an industry worker, no matter the case, we are seeing it impact everyone, whether you are a parent, whether you are a educator, whether you work in the health industry, or even if you are the owner of a multi-billion dollar corporation, dog. It's, it's so strange looking at this moment, this moment that we are all kind of living in and existing in currently. And like, yo, this is different. I, there's so many other adjectives that you could use to describe this moment in time. But, yo, it's unlike anything that I have seen on 37 years on this planet. You know, it's... um. I always wished that I could have this conversation with my parents, you know what I'm saying, about the 60s. You know what I mean? Like, because I've always envisioned, and again, I, I was born in 82, the end, of, the very end of 82, right? So not that long in a relatively, you know, relatively speaking, not a long time removed. You know, 68, obviously, is when things really, really popped off, right? I shouldn't even say really. You look at the entire decade. It's just like, yo, what? You know? So I always wish I could have had a conversation with my parents because, you know, as someone who's had the benefit, if you will, right, of looking back on that decade, you understand after the fact, like, yo, this was such a pivotal time. But I don't know if if you were to live through that be of age through that if you knew that you were absolutely living through history right like a significant chunk of history think back i guess if you're around my age i'm 37 so if you are in your 40s to late 20s kind of just think back of kind of life for many of us for many of us the first time we really thought about yo we're living through history is obviously september 11th 
But I feel like we all know what we're doing right now. Like, this is, without a shadow of a doubt, with everything that's happening. It's like, yo, this shit is a chapter. Yeah, our grandchildren, some of you guys, your children will be reading about this. Again, I'm born in 82. I probably started really diving into history, you know, 94, 95. So, you know, 68, that's what, 27 years. It ain't that long. Time moves by so fast, and if you if you look back and just kind of sit for a second and be like, "Yo, look at look at all of the I mean, history is made every day," you know what I'm saying? But if you like kind of just look back in recent history and just kind of pinpoint like what what when was it that you knew like, "Oh shit, this is real real." Hey, I was a child during the eighty the the AIDS epidemic, so I didn't. You know, and you ain't even thinking, at least I wasn't thinking like, oh, shit, this is history. You know what I'm saying? But the 80s was wild as fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we had the AIDS epidemic. We had the crack epidemic. Epidemic. Contra shit was popping. Like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, it, it was just, it was a lot happening. And, you know, that was when I was a, an actual child. So I never really uh, knew, like, yo, this is history. Funny though, the one time, and I didn't even know what was really going on. True story. TGIF, if you have an age, you know what time it is, man. So Friday nights, 8 o'clock, there was a block of comedies on ABC. That was my shit back in the day. Maybe this had, I don't remember. Maybe it was, uh, you know, I guess it was maybe 90, maybe 89, 90. Around that time is when the Clarence Thomas hearings were happening. And that shit blocked off, it, like, it took off. TGIF. I remember Friday night being ready to chill and watch with my friends, and that shit was it was the hearings. So we just had to go outside, going outside at eight o'clock in Richmond, Virginia, in the in the late eighties, early nineties. That shit was, you know, at your own risk, baby. So I remember then it's like, yo, this shit must be really, really important. They took off fucking Family Matters, right? And Perfect Strangers, Balky, all that shit. I knew at that moment without even knowing, like, okay, this must be super important. But the first time. I really was like, here, this is, you know, this is real with September 11th. But think about it, right? Think about the, the internet evolution, the explosion of the internet. When, when the first, when was the first time you actually had a computer in your home? Like, like kids nowadays, they have cell phones, bro. So it, it's not even a big deal. They're, you know, we all have multiple, many of us have multiple computers or laptops or devices, whatever, in our homes. I still remember the first time we got our computer. You understand? Like, and and, and that was like mid-90s. You know what I'm saying? Like, if it's 25, it's 25 years ago. It's not that long ago. Think about the Napster revolution. Like, when was the last time you bought a CD? When was the last time you bought, like, outside of vinyl? Because, you know, people like, you know, buying records or whatever. But outside of vinyl, and that's a, like a niche pocket of the society. When was the last time you bought an album that wasn't digital? Shit, when was the last time you actually even bought an album instead of just downloading it on Apple Music or Spotify? This is what I'm saying, right? Things are different. But when it was happening, did we know in the moment, like, oh, shit, this is history. We're living through it. Like, dog, the taxi cab industry is on its last legs because this was the next, the evolution of the internet age, right? The technology just rampant through our society. Like, you... 
getting we all were taught not to get in the car with a stranger and yet many of us most of us i would suspect now you know do it on a regular basis well maybe not now because of covid right but you know what i mean like you you call for a car who is not a professional driver who is a stranger and you just get in it oftentimes wearing your headphones reading a book not even paying attention we become so comfortable and that just speaks to yo look at how dependent we are upon technology again we live through it but did we know at do we know that that's part of the history that we are living in i say all of that to be like yo we have gone through significant moments in time for me if you were to ask me the moments in which i knew that yo this was a historic moment that you're living in it was september 11th it was Katrina. It was the first Obama presidency. Those three were kind of like, here, okay. And then 2020 happened on us. And it feels like every single week, there's another significant chapter. It's like you can't talk about the 60s in one chapter. If you are being taught history correctly, that shit is a while. Because so much happened. And I feel like, and that's a decade. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If... 2020 is any indicator of what we have to look forward to for the next 10 years. Buckle your motherfucking seatbelts, baby. Dog, we halfway through. We only halfway through, and it has touched every facet of our society. And right now, as someone who lives outside of the Washington, D.C. area, as someone who has covered the football team here, as someone whose mother was a Washington football fan, who grew up their baby pictures with me in the Jersey. This team has meant so from Richmond, you know what time it is. You don't even have to be from Richmond to know how important the Washington team, the Burgundy and go is to that city, to that region. You understand? I have been a part of multiple. I've, this is the name change controversy. I don't know what you want to call it, how you would classify it. But literally, this is not hyperbole. My entire life, they have been talking about changing this name. And there have been moments when I was helping covering that team, this football team, in which I thought, here, this is going to happen. And then the Washington Post article happened, I believe, in 2016. Maybe it was 2015. I believe it was 2016. When that happened, I felt like, oh, wow, that's it. It's dead. It's not changing. It's just not happening. People wanted it to come to D.C. And then Virginia was like, yo, we bring you. And then I was like, yo, have moving the team to Virginia just makes sense. The team is bigger than D.C. D.C. is not that big. They're doing the whole, you know, naming issues, whatever, whatever. So Steiner was like, dog, I'll move it. I'll move it to Virginia. And it was like, okay, nobody really batted an eye, right? Because the name issue seemingly died down with that Washington Post article, no matter if you have take issue as I did do with the polling, that was kind of like, all right, that's the tombstone power driver, Undertaker wins, game over. And then 2020 happens, bro. And it hit NASCAR, it's hit the NBA, it's hit every, dog, it hit NASCAR. It's hit the SEC, Mississippi is changing the flag, bro. Mississippi, dog. 
You know what I'm saying? It's impacting like this this year is amazing when you just look back and think of it. And now as someone who has covered this team in you know, as a television producer, not as a beat reporter or anything like that. But who has had the who has been who this team has been a part of my life in my entire life. I've helped cover, produce for this team. And now to see the name change. And it hasn't been a fast period of time. I don't want to say it happened so quickly, right? But it feels as if the ball started moving real, real fast. And we're going to talk to Ben about this later in the show. But, like, it's almost as if, you know, if you decide, you're deciding whether or not to move. And maybe that decision takes a long time. And you're like, you know what? Maybe I should move. Maybe I shouldn't. And then when you finally decide to move, then you have to renovate the home. You have to do all of these things. But then when you finally decide to move and you put the house on the market, then it sells in a day or two. And then you're like, yo, we got to go for real. All the memories, everything huh? is done. That's kind of what this is. The process obviously has taken a very long time. As I said, they've been talking about changing this name my entire life, essentially. But when this giant, when the ball finally moved, yo, that thing was moving downhill like a mother. And here we are. And it's just so surreal to me. Because nothing changed. The argument has not improved. It was kind of like how we talked about a few weeks ago back with the Drew Brees issue, right? Drew Brees has been saying the same thing over and over again and has been applauded time and time again. So you can imagine how he was like, huh? What's going on when he said the same thing he has always said about the national anthem? And then this year in 2020, Bama was like, nah, we not rocking. He did not change. The ecosystem around him did. And yo, it ha- like, how do you know? How do you know? You, Dan Snyder, you probably thought the 2016 Washington Post. We talk about the Washington Post. They released that poll. You understand? So when he saw that come, by hook or by crook, however you want to, however you feel about it, you can imagine he's thinking like, here, it's over. <laughs> Buried alive match. I just do... The dirt on mankind. I'm done with his ass. You know what I'm saying? So then when this start popping up, you can imagine he's just chilling on the yacht. You know what I'm saying? Chilling on the yacht. Thought they just talked to Ron Rivera about this earlier last week. I want to know, and we'll never figure this out because he just doesn't talk. And I, and, Well, he's going to have to talk about this. Daniel Snyder is going to have to speak publicly about this. And I'm just sitting back like, yo, there is a monumental shift taking place. Like we are, not only are we living through a pivotal time, it's like a tectonic plate, like it's just crashing and the earth is moving underneath our feet. And yet, if you are not paying attention, you won't know. The center is moving so fast on so many of these issues. So many of these issues that have been argued ad nauseum so many times. And no one has added anything new this time. But this time is so much different than any time prior. 
prior, excuse me. And it's just so odd to, to witness. You know what I'm saying? And it all stems from COVID. Because trust and believe. I, I've talked on this show plenty of times about how I've struggled personally being like, yo, why is this time so different? Why is it this time when you see someone, a black person dying, screaming that they can't breathe? Why is this time different? Why are so many people now finally ready to say, I mean, really words that aren't that powerful. Black lives matter is not a powerful statement. It's like the, the power of that statement is to see how, how strong, right? The pushback was to something so benign. That was where the power was, right? Say Black Lives Matter was never powerful. It was never powerful. That's just that, that, they, that we matter. The power stemmed from like just showing the world like, yo, so many people are opposed to just saying, yeah, cool. Dog, you ain't had to say shit. Like, okay, sure. In the head nod, whatever. But Bama's was just so mad at those three little words. And now the NBA spray painting words on the court. You can put it on your back. The mayor of D.C., one of the most gentrified cities in the whole union, painted on the streets, performative actions, right? Everybody's like, hey, let's, let's jump on this train. What's so different now? But that's kind of my macro take. I want to actually get into the name change because, man, we could talk about this for so long. I never like my daddy was a Cowboys fan. He, like I said, true story. Earlier, I talked about how as a as a baby, right? My family on my mother's side, they put on a, a burgundy and gold jersey on me. Boom, right? My next, the very next day, right hand of God, my father, God bless his soul, bought an entire. I'm talking about Cowboys helmet, Cowboys jersey, pants, the whole night, and put it and took a rack of pictures. We're like, nah. My boy's not going to be rocking with the burgundy and gold, right? So I've never really enjoyed the team. I liked, I've obviously been fond of players. Brian Mitchell's a former guest on the show. I've had the pleasure of working with him. I love him to death. Big brother, Doc Walker, is same. You know, there are a lot of people um, who have worked in that organization, both on the field and behind the scenes, who have done so much for me as a man and in my career. I, you know, You know, I don't want people to think that this entire organization is just like evil right but because it's not right you know what i mean like whatever you feel about the past whatever you feel about the name there are a lot of like this organization employs a lot of people however you feel about the owner and there are legitimate criticisms about him trust me right but the organization isn't just the team it's, it's a bunch of individuals who are all employed so when i start thinking about okay well Yo, this is an opportunity, you know, me being an optimist. I'm always like, yo, you can flip this, make this something better. You have an opportunity. The name is changing. You know, there is no fight on that anymore. But now it's like, yo, what are you going to change the name to? And I haven't really heard many good suggestions. <laughs> I don't really like any of them of the, the, the ones that you hear a lot. The Warriors, the Braves, the Renegades, uh, the Red Tails. The Red Tails is an interesting one. Again, I'm not the biggest Red Tails fan of the as, as in terms of naming the team, right? But when I saw their release, I guess it was on 
the third Friday, July third, and Ron Rivera used military in terms of you know honoring the military, or whatever. In terms of the name, you know, it struck everybody as odd, like you know, and you saw it all the time, like yo, what does the military have to do with the name? I don't think that was by accident. I think that I'm just spitballing here. I haven't heard anything from anybody. This is just me talking, right? I believe, and and actually the owner has said, uh, reports have been like, you know, it's important for Daniel Steiner to keep the the burgundy and gold, the the color scheme. You can go back to the, you know, he, he wants to do something. He doesn't want it to be such a radical shift, right? Which, whatever, you know, the brand has been damaged significantly over the last five to ten years. Definitely throughout the past five years. Um, but, you know, Red Tails, because typically the people who are most upset about changing the name are the people who are like, oftentimes, if there's a Venn diagram, more times than not, the people who are mad at social justice warriors and you know, the woke brigade, whatever the hell they want to classify this as. Those are also the people more times than not who are like, support our troops. We love our troops, right? Stand for the flag because we have to support our troops. It's Americana. It's Americana. Support our troops, right? Well, you can be tactical here because if you go with the red tails, you know, HTTR, the, the, the fight song doesn't change much. You know, in terms of singing it, it's exactly the same, honestly. You don't really have to change the color scheme. Everything kind of fits. The R can still stand. Everything really fits. And if you want to, you can really silence those that are most upset, typically, about this kind of social justice woke brigade or however they want to classify it. Because, again, if they truly do want to support the troops, what leg do you have to stand on if they change it to the red tails? Again, I don't want them to change it to the red tails. I think it's pandering. I think it's lazy. It's a whole bunch of stuff. Though I do think that if they were to bring that level of attention to that part of our American history, it could do wonders. Like the whole argument about naming the team, what they have named it for so long, 83 years or whatever, is about honoring and being giving them a certain certain level of pride. And if you do truly want to honor the support, the troops and honor our military, well, how, what better way than to actually name it after an actual historic group of men in World War II? And then the critics, they would either have to shut up or expose themselves as something far more sinister, right? Because if you've always been support the troops, support the troops, support the troops, and the team changes the name to a member of our military, and then you're still upset, well, then two plus two ain't equal to four. Something else is here. There's a variable. And then you would then be exposing yourself if you are still upset. I don't think the military... Uh, drop in Ron Rivera's release, press release, was an accident. I don't know if it's going to be Red Tails. I don't know if it's going to be Warriors. I would imagine it's going to be one of those two. Um, I'll let you guys decide, especially if you are a fan of the team, where you want, where your feelings lie on the matter. Matter of fact, email me, right? I want to hear from you, Burgundy and Gold fans. I want to hear how you feel what you think, and if you have an idea or an opinion on whatever the team name will be, because at this point, it isn't a matter of if, 
It's a matter of when, and almost not even really when, it's just how soon. Because a lot of people are saying, yo, this thing's happening before this season, if this season happens. And then there was other reports that suggest that it may happen before training camp. These are all questions I'm going to sit down with and talk to my guy Ben Standick in the third quarter this week. But email me. What name do you want the Burgundy and Gold to be called moving forward? Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet at the show, quarterly show. That's at Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. All right, man, that's that's a 20-plus minute first quarter. And, dog, I feel like I got, I could probably go 10 more minutes on this topic alone, but I'm going to save up because this next topic, I've got so many in the chamber, man. I have been steaming mad about how the NBA has continued to push forward with this bubble while still trying to walk in balance and walk a line as the conscience of professional sports in America. It's my second topic this week. Second quarter. Earlier in the show, I teased how I felt that the NBA was becoming a lot like Bill Simmons. And, and what I mean by that, because I don't mean to throw shade at the NBA, well, I do mean to throw shade at the NBA, but I don't mean to throw shade at Bill Simmons. I used Bill Simmons because the last time we spoke, he was coming under fire and since has continued to, to, to receive bullets in terms of he, I don't think Bill Simmons is a, 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 I definitely don't believe Bill Simmons is racist. I don't want to start that off at all. I don't believe he's a racist. But, and I also think that he means well. You put Bill Simmons up there, hell, this whole thing started with Ryan Rosillo saying how he's proud of Bill Simmons and, you know, he gets a, a diverse, you know, he hires a diverse group of people and yada, yada, yada. We didn't since have learned that that's not true. But Bill Simmons is someone who means well, but to a point, Right. Because he's not really willing, what we have since learned about him is that he's not really ready to extend the level of risk involved when it comes to actually being diverse. It's cool. He wants the, the credit. And it's not just him. A lot of people are like this. They want the credit for doing the right thing to a point, right? You will extend certain risks to people who you know, people who you like, but that is all based upon who you know, the circles you're around, and the opportunities that people give, right? It's one thing for me to be like, yo, I'm going to allow people I used to work with to come on my show and do interviews. It's something completely different if I'm not necessarily, if I don't know this person, and this person could still be really, really good at speaking and conveying a message and reporting sports news, whatever the case may be. And I'm just like, nah. I ain't fucking, I ain't rocking with you like that, right? I don't know you, and I'm not even trying to get to know you. I'm not even trying to extend a certain level of opportunity to you that I would the people who are closest to me. Now, I have a little independent podcast, not making any money. Bill Simmons just ain't the deal with Spotify for hundreds of millions of dollars. There's a completely different difference. But at its core, one person, like, you, you see Bill Simmons, he wants the praise, and it's cool because he understands that, yo, this is, a, this is important. He understands how important it is, yet still cannot force himself to provide opportunities, to provide, to provide a, a, 
a a decent work environment for people of color, black people specifically, that he, he basically leads. It's all of these different things, and it, it, it makes me feel like that's exactly what the NBA is, but not as a person, but as an entity. It's always easy, right, to vilify a singular person. It's much more difficult to do it with an, an entity, an entity that can be beloved. We see it all the time. We can criticize the person. We can criticize the police officer. But then when you want to speak about policing in totality, few bad apples, right? We can't, it's, it's much more difficult to talk about an entire enterprise, an entire organization, like I said, an entity, more so than it is a person. But yo, if we really being funky, we gonna really do it? Dog, let's look at the NBA for real. I love the NBA. Again, this is your first time listening to this podcast. I appreciate you. I want to know how it is that you heard about it, honestly. But for those of you who all who still listen to the show from day one or whether it's day 10, I appreciate you guys. And you guys know that the NBA is a consistent thread upon every single one of these episodes. 152 episodes I've done. Fairly confident that 150 epi- 152 episodes I have spoken about the NBA at least once. I haven't even done that with boxing. I know I haven't done that with the NFL or any other sport. So th- that's, this is a, this is a lot. This podcast does a lot. We kind of dabble in different things, but at its core, it is an NBA podcast. And I have been extremely disappointed with the NBA. Let me, let me present this to you. How many of you all have, you know, dated someone, you know, Matter of fact, let, let me start it over. If you're of a certain age like myself, you remember a time where every single, you know, company had an, a slogan. You know, we, I guess we've kind of really gone past that. I don't know if there really is any slogans anymore. Um, but every company used to have one, right? Uh, Energizer, it keeps going and going. Um, Coke and a smile, Pepsi, the, the voice of a new generation, all of these different things, right? It, it used to all, every single thing that you saw, your Keto Taco Bell, right? All of these companies, everything that you would eat, buy, whatever, they had a slogan. And one of the more, I don't know, when I was a kid, I didn't really get it, was head and shoulders, right? You know, you only get one chance to make a first impression. I think I, I probably butchered that. But that was basically what their their slogan was, right? And it it really rings true more so, I guess, as you become older, as much, much is the case most of the time. But basically, how many times have you all met someone? And depending on the situation, depending on the circumstance, how you meet them is then how you kind of hold them in your mind. Right. Case in point, I remember this a few years ago, this before more than a few years ago, before my daughter was born, um, you know, I would volunteer at Food and Friends. And, you know, I would, and when I started, it was just on Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? Try to do well around the holidays, Christmas as well. And then there was a period of time where I would do it more frequently. And once I was doing it more regularly, I remember meeting or seeing a young lady who was a part of their everyday operations. She was bad, dog. She was so bad. <laughs> and I would remember, it's like, yo, she's gorgeous 
but because she worked at a company who was literally doing good and not just on the holiday, but doing good every day. I kind of put her subconsciously, right? Put her, placed her on a pedestal. Oh man, she works at food first. She works at this company that's helping people. She's doing it every day. Man, she must like, yo, she ain't some, she's not someone that I meet at a club, right? She's not someone I just meet out and about. She's, Look how look how great she must be, right? And I placed her on this pedestal. And you know, me being the man that I am, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and shoot my shot. All net swish back in the day, boy. I, oh, you understand? You know what I'm talking about? So you know, we ended up going out. We started dating or whatever. And dog, reality hit like a motherfucker. Like just because someone does really really well, or just because you are introduced to someone, right? Or your incept your 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 reference point to someone may place them at a at a pedestal that we all are still fully developed three dimensional people, right? It's not just good bad, you know, right wrong. We all have flaws. We all are formed. And I remember dating her, and I was like thinking to myself, like you ain't nothing like I thought you were gonna be. But she, that's my fault, right? Because she still was doing phenomenally really dope stuff for people who she never met people she did not know she was just doing good things but you know there were things there is still was kind of off-putting for me but of course there are right she's an individual but i say all that to bring to light you know how you are introduced to someone goes a long way into how you think about them positively or negatively i could give you a whole bunch of uh, instances where i met someone and i didn't think it was going to be, it was going to go a certain way. And then I was like, yo, based upon where I met them or what I may have heard about them or things that they, I may have seen or how they move, whatever the case may be. That's exactly what we're doing right now with Adam Silver and by extension, the NBA. You ask anyone about Adam Silver, overwhelmingly, people will give you positive reviews. They will rave about Adam Silver. And I don't know the man. You understand? Like, he seems like a really decent man. He seems like a good man, good intentions. We have a completely different perspective of Roger Goodell. I don't know Roger Goodell. I don't know if he's a bad man. I understand, but for with Roger Goodell and his organization, the league in which he is the commissioner, money is without question the most important thing. They don't care about what is second or third on the list. The NFL makes no bones about it make make no mistake money is the most important thing to them with the nba money is the most important thing to them as well but they make it a point to let us know that the number two thing on the list is also as important but it's not anywhere close what we are seeing from them does not mesh with what they like to put forth let me let me go back to my how you meet someone and how that goes a long way into shaping and forming your impression upon them. Adam Silver was number two for a very, very long time, right? And David Stern, God bless the dead, bro, he wore the black hat, but he ran that league with an iron fist. And we always knew, like, yo, David Stern, the buck stops with him. We knew about Adam Silver. Adam Silver will get up there in the second round. 
call the names. We've seen them. If you're a big basketball fan like myself. But when he took over as commissioner, most people, casual basketball fans, their introduction to Adam Silver is what? The Donald Sterling issue. Adam Silver and the NBA, by extension, received so much praise for getting Donald Sterling out of the out of the league, selling his team. They got a lot of praise, a lot of attention, and built up a lot of goodwill with that one move. That one decision is wrong term. That one move. Now, we can have a real conversation about. What what real position was that? It wasn't really like it was a brave or some type of powerful stance that the NBA and Adam Silver took. The NBA knew that Donald Sterling was a racist far before he let he had to sell his team. And understand, he sold his team for billions of dollars. It wasn't really a punishment. He cashed in on his team. He didn't want to, but his family was like, come on, Slim. There's a, we're talking billions. Steve Ballmer, right? So, bong. He sold his team. Really wasn't a punishment because he was awarded billions upon billions of dollars. But you get the point, right? However, it's important to know that the NBA knew what type of man Donald Sterling was well before that team was sold. They did not force him to sell the team because of his racist behavior or his racist past. They forced him to sell the team because he went on national television. Anderson Cooper, I want to say, was was it when he was still at 60 Minutes? I think it was a 60 Minutes interview, so it wasn't even Anderson Cooper on CNN. Donald Sterling made racist and just completely insensitive remarks about one of the most important people in the NBA history, Magic Johnson. I've played the quote before. They, the Dan Levitar show is hilarious. They always play. It's one of the most in, um, insane slash hilarious quotes. Donald Sterling is talking to Anderson Cooper. Anderson Cooper is, is raving about all of the positive things that that Urban Magic Johnson has done, not just in the league, but for the community. And Donald Sterling interrupts him and says, he's got AIDS. <laughs> As if that's somehow an indictment on the person that Erwin Magic Johnson is. That happened. The mistress happened. All of the other racial comments, the phone call, the the voicemail, excuse me, that was all released. And once that happened, then the NBA was like, okay, we got to get him out of here. Forget about the housing thing that we all knew but somehow just brushed away. Forget about Elgin Baylor. His multiple complaints about Donald Sterling. Forget about Baron Davis, who was playing for the Clippers at the time, telling anybody who would listen the ridiculous things that he would say to his players in the locker room. We just kind of brushed all of that aside. So Adam Silver and the NBA knew they, they had a racist on their hands and they didn't act until it was about to affect their money. Put a pin in that. But he built up so much goodwill for that action. An action that, number one, wasn't really a penalty. And number two, was a delayed response. 
imagine people applauding Daniel Snyder for changing his name. We talked about that in the first quarter. We've all known, many of us, I shouldn't say, some, some people still don't think the name should be changed or is offensive, whatever. I don't have the energy to have that conversation with you. But if you align yourself like I do and think that the name is a racial slur, it would be silly to then applaud Daniel Snyder for changing the name. Because he could have changed it so many times before. He's only changing it because it's impacting the money. The only reason Donald Sterling was ousted as an owner because it was impacting the money. Not because it is a moral issue. We love Adam Silver. We hate Roger Goodell. No one's praising Roger Goodell for saying, hey, you guys want to kneel now? Go ahead. And that was only four years. They, the kneeling thing started in 2016. It's going to end in 2020. It took Roger Goodell four years to be like, hey, I made a mistake. We're not applauding him for changing course. But that's exactly what we did with the NBA and Adam Silver with Donald Sterling. Though they knew that Donald Sterling was a racist, well, much more than four years. Again, not a moral compass, a business decision. But that one business decision gave Adam Silver so much goodwill. So much. Fast forward to 2019. The NBA has continued to build upon this, this momentum of we're the league with, uh, with the conscience. We're the ones, we're the league that you can come to because we understand. We're all about equality. We're all about, you know, fighting oppression. Unless... It affects our bottom line. Case in point, Hong Kong. Daryl Morey flippantly tweeted out something. I don't think Daryl Morey is an activist for equal rights in Hong Kong, but he was vilified because he tweeted something that is a clear example of oppression. If you still going on today, if you're watching the news and seeing what's happening in Hong Kong, Mamas is going hard. It's not a difficult decision. We if you are not employed by the NBA, we all can be like, yo, what they're doing in China right now, what they're doing specifically in Hong Kong, is fucked up. We all can see it. We all know it. We all can see it. It's not hard for us to say it. But for whatever reason, the NBA, the league with the conscience, the league that likes to walk around like they are holier than thou, the league that likes to always tell you how much they're doing right. The lead that likes to always say, oh my goodness, look at, look at, look at how we're doing it. We're, we're for the cause. We're an ally. They love to tell us how much of an ally they are, but when it affects their money, oh my God, it was swift. LeBron James, my favorite NBA player ever. This is a black eye on him, you know, and there's some people, again, bad faith actors who will hold his response to the Hong Kong situation against him. I think it's fair to do that, but not if you're only doing it just to disqualify everything else he's done. Again, we are all flawed people. We're all fully developed, three-dimensional. This is not just one versus two, good versus bad, right versus wrong. We all make mistakes. LeBron made a mistake, but he made a mistake because it was costing his money costing him money 
costing the league money. And then the league doubled down. And then clearly they did something behind the scenes to tell everyone affiliated with that league, we are not talking about this anymore. So someone like Steve Kerr, someone who I have to believe understands what is going on in Hong Kong and understands the plight of those people and understands how wrong it is. Even he had to bow down and kiss the ring. Hey, man, I'm not fully, I, I don't know exactly what's going on. I don't have all the information. I don't have all the details. Enough people said that. Tote the line. Those questions stopped coming, and the NBA quietly exited out of the back, right? The Homer Simpson just into the bushes. Oh, we love equality unless it's going to fuck our money up. So it's easy to do it. Like the Donald Sterling thing was a layup. The Hong Kong issue isn't a layup, but that shit ain't a half-court shot either. Like, either you're going to fight. If you're really about equality, if you truly want to be an ally, dog, you got to walk the walk no matter the cost. And it's easy for me to say, but dog, look at how we coming at Bill Simmons. Look at how we came at Barstool, the Barstool dude. Now, those are totally different examples, and I'm not even saying that Portnoy is like Simmons, because Simmons isn't jumping out there saying the N-word like it's a, it's a game. Now nah, we ain't doing that. But you see the example. It's one thing to act like, yo, give me the acclaim. Give me the credit. I can employ black people. Give me, shower me with praise. But are you willing to do it, even though you know it's right, but it may cost you financially? That's when you tell where someone stands, that's where you can see someone's morality. That's where you that's where you find out about integrity. Not at the slam dunks. Getting Donald Sterling out of here is easy. Getting Dave Portnoy out of here is easy. Like that's that's obvious. Changing the name of a racial slur, that's easy on the spectrum. Check out the NBA. We've talked about this for years now on the podcast. Look at the front offices look at the ownership groups look at the social media teams this league sw- loves to talk about equality do they love to walk with us but damn it man they not really it don't seem like they're really about that action when you look at where they put their money it's real simple people will tell you how they prioritize things by what they invest in whether it's financially or what they invest in with their time. The NBA dresses like it's down with us. Look at how they spend their money. Look at what they value over the actual actions, their money. And now fast forward to this bubble situation. (laughs) I mean, you don't have to be an epidemiologist, you don't have to be, you don't have to be somebody who is all about, you know, you could just look at this and be like, this shit is some Mickey Mouse grade A level bullshit that they trying to do with this bubble. They are, and again, they're a business. I have no problem with the business, right? Making a business decision with their bottom line coming first and foremost, but wear it. I'd much rather the NBA, I'm being dead ass serious. I'd much rather the NBA carry themselves like the NFL. 
The NFL makes they understand. They don't give a fuck. They will they will almost they will almost go up to the line and tell you that. I'm sure the owners probably want to tell you that. Roger Goodell, we've killed Roger Goodell, myself included. But it's clear Roger Goodell has been fighting, fighting to make the NFL not kill itself. I think he, there's some reporting out there that has said that Roger Goodell years ago was like, yo, this this kind of fight against Colin Kaepernick is a bad look for the league. When the president was calling their players sons of bitches, was like them kind of capitulating toward the president was a bad look for the league. And it's worth noting that Roger Goodell made a response to the players Remember the, 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 the internet video that the players made, which had Patrick Mahomes talking about what they want from the league? It was Roger Goodell who responded. We haven't heard from many owners, if any. Maybe some have spoken up. I don't, I can't recall. But I know we haven't heard from the majority of them. Roger Goodell's been fighting for something. Adam Silver's been riding a wave. And this is not to say that I think that Adam Silver is a better man than Roger Goodell. I'm not comparing them, but we've been looking at this all wrong. I'd much rather the NBA go about their business. I mean, the NFL as the business model is much, it's just better than the NBA. I don't think anyone would argue that. The NBA spends so much time and energy trying to convince us that they're about all of these things that many of us believe in. And yet, at every turn, their action speaks differently. You know? And I, dog, if you want to carry it about the money, carry it that way. Just don't lie to me. Can't stand by much lying to me, Joe. Own that shit, bruh. Because this bubble situation is nuts. Like, we all know it's nuts. Like, I tweeted this out, and this is a question that I have to imagine has been asked in NBA circles, and it's a question I'm so glad that I don't ever have to be a part of. Because to me, and I'm not a businessman, I'm not. I'm just a human. I like to think of myself as a good person. I truly do. Flaws and all. But I'm sure the question, in some way, roundabout way, has been asked, how much is one life worth? And not asked that way, obviously, but that the theme of that question, you know, how much can we withstand even if we lose just one life? Man, can you imagine having that question posed to you? Because all of these leagues, all of them are heading straight. I'm recording this on the 4th of July. This quarter is being recorded on the 4th of July. There's a report that has just been released that over 11,000 new cases in Florida happened overnight in one day. 11,000. And all of these leagues are heading straight to this place to restart, or if in baseball, example, to, to start. And, and obviously, baseball is not just going to a bubble circumstance, right? But you understand the point. They have teams in the state. The NBA is... Of all of these sports, they're the one who wears their equality on their sleeve. They always want to talk to you about what they're doing and how they're all about the positive change. But just like many people, when they go to their Thanksgiving dinners with their family, 
and their uncle and their aunts, and their grandmother start talking that racist shit. They may have a few talking points, but real quickly they shut up and they go with the status quo because they don't want things to be uncomfortable. It's your job. Maybe you've seen a certain lack of dem- uh, uh, diversity and maybe you brought it up to your 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 head or your boss or whatever, the CEO, to be like, hey, man, we need to do something. And it got uncomfortable. And maybe even there was a vague threat, a veiled threat about you losing your job if you continue to bring stuff up like that. So you shut up. I'm not telling anybody what they should do. I'm not telling any individual what they should do. You got to do what you feel is right. Hell, bar stool coming on a whole lot of flack, as they should. And a lot of the black people working for Barstool have been coming under a hell of a lot of scrutiny. I'm not telling anybody who they should be employed by, how they should get a check, dog. You gotta make you gotta make your decisions for you. You gotta live your life the best that you can. But if you are an entity, if you are an organization, and you always at every turn shove it in our face how much you are for a cause, how much you are for equality, how much you are against oppression how much you are about doing the right thing about you are being the, you are the conscience sport, the the sport league with the conscience. You can't come to me and say that this bubble shit is a smart idea. It's just not. And I understand that they're going to lose money if they don't go forward with it. But if you are going to go business over everything, own that shit. That's what I'm saying. Because to me, it don't, I don't have to go that many steps to realize that if I'm a better man, this NBA shit ain't going all the way. Like, we're going to start, and then something's going to pop off, and then I feel that it's going to come to a, a end before a finals is even crowned. And, dog, let's, talk, let's say it doesn't. Who here thinks that we're going to get good basketball? We already have people ready to diminish the, the future champion. I'm one who thinks that whoever ends up winning this championship, this is going to be one of the mo- the most difficult championships to win. But then you look around, Victor Oladipo, I had J. Michael on a few weeks ago, and I'm telling people, yo, I think the Pacers will be a scary good team because all of these players are coming back. They're going to be rested and healthy, yada, yada. Oladipo's like, nah, fuck it, man, I ain't playing. And you be crazy if you think he's the only one of a, of a top-tier player not going to play. We've seen the... The Bertans, the Willie Cauley Steins, the DeAndre Jordans, the Trevor Reeses. You've seen those. The Avery Bradley, I guess he was probably the, the first person on a championship level team to say no. I don't think that's it. I think we're going to see more. And the NBA, again, they, they knocked it out the park with the layup. The Hong Kong issue. Wasn't a tough one. Maybe let's say that's a 16-foot jump shot. Oh, man, they ain't even hit rim on that shit. And now they're here with a really, really difficult situation. Airball. Bro, man, I have no problem with the NBA being all about business. I got no problem with that. They're businessmen. But the moment they want to act like they're more than that, now I have a problem. Just like in Hong Kong, they want to tell us about equality. They could have just turned a blind eye. 
But if you go out of your way to say that you are against oppression and then the moment oppression comes at your door and oppression could fuck up your money, oh, you quiet. We got to stop looking at Adam Silver in the NBA based upon what they did with Donald Sterling. Donald Sterling, it's easy to condemn that. And it took the NBA years to do it. There was no hurt party. Donald Sterling ended up getting billions of dollars. He wasn't a victim. And he was a he's a dickhead. Fuck Donald Sterling. But the real test of a person, the real test of an organization is when it's not how many layups you can score. It's how you stand when it's real fire at your feet. And at every turn, the NBA doesn't just not make the shot. They fold altogether. So stop. Stop trying to tell us how great you are. Stop trying to tell us how much of an ally you are because you're not. And that's fine. Let me know what time it is, bro, but don't lie to me. And this NBA bubble, now they, they're talking about making a second bubble. Come on, bro. What's it going to take for you to realize, oh, my God, this is such a bad idea? Because I've, I've well, I'm, I'm well past that point. I'm frightened to know what it's going to take before the powers that be in the NBA realize, yo, we shouldn't have done that. Let me hear your thoughts, though, man. I want to know what you guys think about the NBA, Adam Silver, or anything else that you may have dis- uh, I may have discussed on the show, or maybe something that I haven't. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet at the show, quarterly show. That's at Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. All right, guys, you heard the horn, so that means it is time for halftime. And before we get to halftime this week, we have stoppage time. You know, stoppage time is a part of the show where I answer some of your guys' questions or anything that you guys want to hear me talk about whether I have addressed them or not in previous episodes. And this week, I have an email from Jody Vanzuels. Van, Vanzu, Vanzuel. I, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. Uh, she says she is from Topeka. Shout out to Kansas. Uh, you know, this, this whole kind of quarantine time, uh, the numbers have grown. And I appreciate each and every one of you all for spreading the word and and uh, growing the audience, I really do appreciate you guys. But Jody asks, what are my thoughts about Maya Moore? Um, for those of you who are not aware, Maya Moore, phenomenal basketball player, multiple champion, multiple champion um, in college and in the pros. College at UConn, obviously, professional with the Minnesota Lynx. A few years back, she stepped away from professional basketball. Um, and there's a legit discussion to be had there. But she stepped away from uh, professional basketball to focus on social justice reform, including a family friend, John Irons, I believe, who was wrongfully convicted uh, for burglar, armed burglary, I believe. Anyway, they beat the case several months ago. And, you know, she was front line and center about reopening the investigation and reversing the case and saving another person's life. Right. Like, I believe the brother had served 
close to 25 years already. And you, the video went viral this past week. And, and it was, you know, the term powerful is used all the time now. And, you know, because it's used so much, it doesn't necessarily, it, it kind of takes away from the actual times when something really does grab you that is powerful. Seeing Maya Moore drop to her knees upon this man's release. And then when you see, when you've seen other interviews with her, I believe it was a real sports interview. It happened maybe a year or two ago, or maybe not a year or two, but a year or so ago. And she's talking about how just working on this one case has been more draining physically, mentally, emotionally than any basketball training or season or anything sports related that she has ever encountered. So when you then see her drop to her knees, you're just like, oh my gosh, right? Like you can feel the gravity of the moment without even knowing the specifics. This woman stepped away from fame and fortune to help her fellow citizen, bro. Like, and it's so nasty, man, because in our day and age, we always talk about kind of how like this embrace debate sports culture that we live in now it just only it, it it amplifies at times the both sides ism right where everything has to have a debate everything has to have two sides when in reality we know no that's not the case there does not have to be a pro and a con to every single thing so while we have debated colin kaepernick for close to five years now and there have been people who have made a fortune in sports trying to sully his name. Maya Moore has done something. I don't even want to compare the two. You know what I mean? Because activism should never be compared. If you are genuinely out there trying to save people, save lives, better a system, better the world, there is no comparison. So I'm not going to do that. But what Maya Moore has done, there is no debate. This is heroism at the highest regard at the highest level and then when you see such lack of coverage from the sports world on 4th of July weekend like there is no reason like there are no sports I understand what like look let's look at what our show has done thus far we are halfway through first topic bong address the name change and of, of the burgundy and gold that's that's significant right that's a significant sports slash news story. Absolutely. The NBA and the bubble return. We've been talking about that for weeks now. But yes, sure. It's still a big story. It hasn't happened yet, but yes, yeah, still. But before I get to anything else, I have been able on my little independent podcast to carve out some time to talk about something that is truly special. All of these sports shows could do it. All of them. Whether you talk about the WNBA or not, look, I'll raise my hand. This show does not feature the WNBA a lot. It doesn't. That's not a knock on that sport, not a knock on their athletes. Hell, I don't talk about college basketball that like, that much. I'll talk about it later in this show, but I've said time and time again, I love the NBA. I love basketball that way. I don't, I'm not a big fan of different, you know, levels of basketball play if I'm not playing it myself. But this story is so much bigger than that. You know, 
again, man, there's so many bad faith actors. And there's so many people who want to talk about why there is no such thing as a, there's not a imbalance in the criminal justice system and how athletes only want their money and this, that, and the third. And the only time that they will raise someone's name above all of that will be the late Pat Tillman, God bless the dead. But they will then erase everything that Tillman's family will say that he stood for. And then we have something like this and those same bad faith actors will do everything out of their way not to talk about this. And bro, if you don't know what by now, if you are one of the people who listen or believe or follow those people from time to time, and y'all know who I'm talking about in the sports world, it ain't like, it ain't, <laughs> you know, this isn't some, some real top secret thing. I just don't say their names because they're not worth a damn, bro. This Maya Moore story is just so phenomenal. So phenomenal. And there isn't an accolade strong enough to that I can use to truly show my appreciation for that woman, man. Like phenomenal doesn't do it serve does not do it justice. All inspiring. Whatever one that you want to use, bro, maybe you better at words than me. Very very well could be the tr truth. The fact of the matter is, man, what Maya Moore has done is still doing. Man, if that doesn't inspire you to do more, to be better, Slim, I don't know what, what else can. How can you take fault? How can you try to argue both sides on this? There is no way. So the only thing that people like that, in that, that of that ilk, will do is to ignore it. And I don't want to be a part. I don't want to be linked like that at all. So we're going to go a little. We went a little bit longer on stoppage time. There were a few other questions. Don't trip. I'm going to get to you guys later on in another show. But Jody, thank you for that. Because this holiday weekend, no matter how you feel about July 4th, Independence Day, whatever the case may be, man, Slim, we should be on. We should be holding Maya Moore to the highest regard in the sports world. In the sports world. We should be showing, giving her all the flowers. Because if in the sports world we don't, then who will? You feel me? So, Jody, thank you for listening. Thank you for that question. I really, really appreciate you and that. All right, guys, that was stoppage time again. I had a few uh, emails this past week, some on Cam Newton. Uh, we're not going to get to that this week. We will get to those questions next week we try to do it if i have questions if i have a significant number of questions we try to do it every other week uh so your questions on cam and others topics we will get to them i promise you but just not this week because there's so much still to get to and that's kind of leads me to halftime this week man because through seven months of 2020 dog we have gone through it i just talked about maya moore slim if you're into entertainment what the fuck is going on with Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith? A lot of y'all probably have no idea. I shouldn't say a lot of y'all. There are some people who listen to this podcast and others who have no idea who August Alcina is. Now, I, I have a feeling that many of you who listen to this podcast do know who he is. But in the larger scale of things, it ain't like August Alcina, Chris Brown, bro. So you can imagine when people started... You know, because Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith are huge. That's just one story. But if you were to rank 
the top 10 stories of 2020 thus far, it doesn't even make the list. It doesn't even make the list. That lets you know how wild shit is, Joe. But it's all good. Because at the halfway point of the year, I want to remind everyone how much we have lived through. Not the big things, not the not the stuff that we all know about, right? Racial uprising, name changes, COVID. I'm not even going to talk about the murder hornets. We just kind of skipped over that joint. I'm going to talk about the stories this far this year that have somehow gone under the radar and in any other year would have been the biggest what the fuck moments that you can imagine. We've got enough of them. We've got enough crazy ass stories that have gone under the radar in seven months. But as a producer, I had to think about presentation. And it made me think, man, when I was younger, much younger, you know, when Conan O'Brien was on NBC before the whole Tonight Show fiasco, I used to love the Conan O'Brien show. Now, I know he still does a show, I believe, on TBS, TNT. I don't watch, I don't really watch late night shows anymore. But when I was younger, I used to love the Conan O'Brien show. In fact, my first Emmy, I won, thanks in part to a skit that we used that was kind of paying homage to a Conan O'Brien little bit. But one of my favorite things from the original Conan O'Brien show was when he and Andy Richter would would grab a fast flashlight and then they would do in the year 2000. And then they would make these funny jokes about what would be happening once the year 2000 happened. And there would be jokes, you know what I mean? Silly things. Well, I'm going to kind of borrow that idea, but these aren't jokes. <laughs> these are all things that have happened and somehow flown under the radar seven months in the year 2020. Take a listen. In the year 2020. In the year 2020. Bushfires all throughout Australia would destroy millions of acres of land. Smokey the Bear hasn't been seen or heard from since. In the year 2020. Kyle Shanahan would once again blow a double digit lead in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. In the year 2020. The Boy Scouts of America officially filed for bankruptcy. This was before COVID-2. In the year 2020. Former Florida gubernatorial candidate Andrew Gilliam was found in a hotel room passed out naked with two other men. One of whom, a male escort with bags of crystal meth all around the room. Sheesh. In the year 2020. South Korean dictator Kim Jong-un would fool multiple press outlets by faking his own death so he could find leaks in his own camp. Slim. In the year 2020. The year is only halfway through and all of those things have happened. I am so scared to figure out what is in store for all of us in the second half of 2020. However, there is no need to fear for the second half of the quarterly report, episode 152. We've got so much still in store including our guest this week, friend of the program, my guy from the Athletic DC, Ben Standing. Third 
Sports. All right, guys, I'm joined now by a friend of the program. He's been on the show several times in the past and has carved some time out for me in what must be a completely hectic and busy uh, past few days for him. The Athletics' own Ben Stanick. Ben, thank you for joining me on the Quarterly Report again this week. Armand, appreciate it. And just to be clear to the people out there, uh, yeah, it happens to be a busy time, but I asked Armand the other day, hey, when am I coming back on the podcast? It's been a minute. So I'm, he's, he's covering time out for me, not the other way around. Well, I mean, I guess it's fair to say you spoke this crazy week in your life into existence. Um, <laughs> he, he covers the Wizards and the soon-to-be-named Washington football team uh, for The Athletic. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Ben Standick. And, of course, we're going to start with the burgundy and gold. Uh, this has been, like, I said it earlier in the show, in my entire life, there's always been some type of name debate. You know what I'm saying? Like, pretty much my entire life, this discussion has happened. And it's been surreal kind of watching it unfold this past few days. Um, my first question to you, and there's been a lot of reporting. You obviously did uh, several stuff with The Athletic over the, I think you guys did something on Friday. Um, but from what you've heard or what you've seen, how long has this decision to, to finally end up changing the name, how long has this been happening? Or was it just completely started once FedEx and Nike kind of made their intentions known? Yeah, so, I mean, if you listen to, you know, you see what uh, uh, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell said, you see what I think PepsiCo said, one of the, spot, one of the, one of the main sponsors involved, you know, they, they, they said the conversations have been going on for a little bit with regards to the to to the to the Washington Redskins changing their the, their name. And it sounds like at least within the last I don't want to necessarily pinpoint a specific day or time, but like, you know, within the last several days, could be over a week where our red or our team owner, Dan Snyder, really started to engage. I mean, what, what I've been told previously was that no matter when the topic came up before, he just completely, you know, dismissed it. It's not going to happen, as he famously right. said never. On a, uh, to an interview. Right, never. You can put it in all caps. That was in 2013, I want to say. And um, look, I mean, the, uh, we can get into sort of why maybe it, it happened now. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I think just the forces that were out there really just were starting to make this um, impossible for, for, for him and maybe more specifically for the sponsors to hide anymore. Right, right. Uh, it's weird, man, because, you know, as I said, this has been something that's been going on pretty much my entire life to some degree. You are from the area as well. You've covered this team for God knows how long. So you also are very, you know, very aware of how heated this debate has been for decades now. I guess my, my next question is simply like, how surprised are you that it's finally? Happening? Yeah, and I don't, you know, I don't, I don't remember. Um, but in in the Joe Gibbs era, you know, when they were when they were good, um, right. I don't really remember the name change being a significant issue. I mean, maybe it was on the fringe. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm not saying that there weren't people discussing it, but it was not a, a very not heated like conversation as best. Sure. Right. Right. And and then, I don't know, 10 years ago or so. I mean, I think, you know, Mike Wise with The Washington Post really was one who really started to, to, to push this. And, uh, you know, for whatever the reason Mike was doing that, that's fine. But uh you know, and, th and then, you know, in the, around 2012, 2013 is when it went to another level because you had a lot of uh, uh, rep national reporters like Peter King and, and outlets saying, hey, we're not going to use the, right. the team name anymore, what we write. And then I think that kind of led to pushing Snyder to ask that question, which when he said he'll never do it. Um, you know, it, it's come up again, though, here and there. 
but it really it's been a, somewhat quiet in the last few years. Again, on the fringes, but not that big of a deal. But I think really the difference this time is that in all the previous um, in all the previous times that this came up, it was always in isolation. Right. We're talking about specifically the Washington Redskins name, not in conjunction with a larger movement around this country. And obviously, sure. in the last you know month to six weeks however long it's been since George Floyd's murder, we've taken on a, a very different tone in this country with regards to the race conversation. Right. And I think like for me, I, I, I you know, I don't, I don't know about for you, but I think for one reason for me that the George Floyd situation really resonated this time in a much larger way than it had when we had um, some of these other situations, Trayvon right. Martin or what have you, not that those weren't getting a lot of attention, but right. this is on top of the pandemic. Everybody is at home Everybody is watching the news. Everybody is built. Anger is building up. And yeah. because we think we were all so focused on this, there weren't other games to watch. There was no life to lead. This these topics became front and center for everybody. And yeah. immediately, pr- pretty soon after the, the George Floyd situation, and there was the um, that day on Twitter when people were putting up a, a, a black uh, image on their uh, Twitter page yeah. to to recognize that they were you know in that they were supporting. The movement and the and the Washington Redskins Twitter handle did this and uh, yeah, AOC right. she quote tweets quote tweeted uh, and said hey if you really want to help the conversation about race in this country why don't you change your you know I don't know if she said yeah. racist name but some version of that right. and for me from that moment I thought oh okay so we're now connecting the Washington Redskins to this larger thing mm-hmm. and I think for me at that point is when this was fait accompli it's it has happened much faster than I would have imagined. But and I had been actually working on something on this prior to um, prior to uh, pr- prior to the last few days and the kind of this kind of stepped on my project. So, oh, well, but uh, to me, it seemed like this was happening. It just it's amazing how it happened so fast, though. You know, it's funny because I completely forgot about the kind of uh, Black Lives Matter, Black Tile thing that people were doing on social media. And I, I it's completely I just dawned on me as I hear you say that. Because I do remember when they they put the black tile up and they were doing their kind of you know trying to show support, and I remember the the backlash that they received. I didn't know it was AOC who kind of started that, but yeah, that makes perfect sense. And you know, with like you said, the sponsorship is what's clearly the difference. I think the two things that are the differences, as you said, number one, there are no distractions. Like everybody has, everyone has kind of been sheltered in and watching they basically forced to watch what has been happening. And then, you know, people have been, you know, using their money in this time to be like, you know what, this is going to be my weapon. And when, when, when FedEx, you know, I, I didn't even see PepsiCo statement, but when I saw it come from FedEx and obviously their head is the minority owner of the team, I was like, okay, we, we're in uncharted territories now. Yeah. Without question, man. I mean, it's really just, um, you know, a wild, um, you know, it's just wild. I mean, I, this is, uh, how do I say this? As you, as you probably recall when, you know, you and I mostly always talked about basketball and I was a big, uh, you know, huge Kobe Bryant fan. And, you know, like everybody else was just completely crushed when, when, when when that happened uh, earlier this year. And I remember a couple months ago saying, you know, at the pace that we're going in this country in terms of the, the shocking news, 
Kobe's death may not rank among the top 10 by the time we get to the end of the year. And, and like now here we are, I mean, the, the fact, I mean, you know, I'm not comparing this team name to the, sure, sure. but, but, like, sure. but just, it's amazing how many things keep changing. By the way, the Cleveland Indians also are in review of the name. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and unless anybody think we're getting ahead of ourselves here, because technically the, the team has not said they're changing the name, but to, to publicly state you're putting in a review, I mean, it would you'd have to have the worst advisors ever to say you're going to review something that is clearly where the momentum is headed and then right. reverse course. It's one thing to say we're considering making a quarterback change and then sticking with your starter. You can't right. do this. So it would be the, the stunner of all stunners at this point if they didn't change the name and if the backlash that would come from that would be pretty, uh, pretty striking. So, yeah, I mean, this is – it's more of just a matter of when, and it does sound like Ron Rivera apparently told the Washington Post that, uh, you know, he's hopeful they can be done before the season starts, which, right. you know, I, I don't know what kind of hoops you have to jump through to make these changes, but and that seems a bit aggressive, but okay, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Once again, guys, I'm joined by a friend of the program, Ben Standick. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at Ben Standick and also reporter for The Athletic. Really dope stuff. And in this time, especially in these times where things are just so, so many different sports stories are happening, which feels like all at once. You definitely want to make sure you're signed up to The Athletic and check out my guy Ben's stuff as well. Last question that I have in terms of the football team, um, you know, since basically Thursday, there have been all types of suggestions in terms of what the team should be named, all types of ideas, whether it's legitimate or completely absurd. Uh my question, I guess, would be, have you heard anything in terms of maybe names that have seemed to stuck, maybe any type of clubhouse leader for a new name for this team? Because it does feel like it's not it's not a matter of if, but when. Yeah, I mean, not 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 enough to say I'm hearing so, such and such. I mean, there's been, you know, the, 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 the Washington Warriors, Warriors has gotten a lot of attention. And, you know, I think for me, the issue is this. Are you staying with the Native American theme, theme. or not? Right. Right. Because, look, I think this. I think the, the changing of the team name, it's not complicated. I, I think, I, how do I say this? I think it's a little bit more complicated than everybody has just sort of said on some level. Because, right. you know, in the grand scheme of things, the, you know, the, Settlers arrived in this country in the 1600s, and it's only been in the last literal, you know, less than 10 years that the name change has been pushed to the to the to a really really big level. I'm not saying there were people before that, but a really big level. So right. the grand scheme of this country, we're moving at a pretty rapid pace. I'm not saying sure. sure. should moving quicker. I'm just saying so whatever. So it's a it's a fairly complicated issue. I really you know whatever. I won't get into all the things that people think. If people are offended, then you know look to change the name. But what do you do? Is it just the name? Because like for the Indi- is I mean Indians doesn't right. I, I mean I don't know is that, I'm I don't know is that an offensive name? It doesn't seem like it. We call we Cowboys and Indians, but so yet the Cleveland Indians are doing that. So are we completely moving on from Native American imagery? If that's the case, then Warriors is complicated unless you do like the Golden State Warriors and just have no imagery. But okay, imagery, if that's right. the case, then do you need to does it need to be the Warriors? What what does the Warriors have anything to do with Washington if we're taking away the the imagery? So at that point are we looking at things who are in the political vet realm, the right. monuments, the senators, please people, not the generals. Good right. lord. <laughs> if you've ever seen a Harlem Globetrotters game, definitely not the Washington Generals. Good yeah, no. That's God. not the team that you need to change to. <laughs> no, right. And then there's obviously all kinds of other things people have mentioned red tails, you know, 
close to Redskins, but like Red Tails in conjunction, I believe, with the Tuskegee Airmen. And, right. you know, then you can get to all kinds of other random things that have nothing to do with anything. So I'm, I, I, I don't I guess for me, that's the real question is what's their plan as far as um, uh, talking to or what, what's their plan as far as sticking with the, all the other everything else they have except for the name? If that's the only change they're open to making, well, then, yeah, you're kind of tight with some names that have that Native American context. Otherwise, the, it's a it's a wide open world. And I don't know why you would necessarily go then with a, a Native American type name like the Warriors. Right. It's interesting, man, to see kind of where it takes, takes place, because, again, like you said, the name is one thing. But if you're going to strip the name because if it's offensive, right, which I'm not disagreeing with, like, go for it. There's so much still that is tied into the look, the the, the entire history of this organization. Uh, well, so, you mean because they wouldn't go back to Braves either. You, it, it just it's, it's a little bit complex in terms of if, if it's built on a house of cards, and if you take one thing down, are you then just the the whole basic the whole thing falls apart? And if that's what we're going to do, cool. But in the release, it seems like they are still trying to show appreciation. I guess would be the word. Uh, for Native Americans uh, and the military, which was thrown out there from Ron Rivera as well. So I'm completely fascinated to see what direction they end up going with this new name. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you know, like I said, I think this is a complex issue. And, you know, um, how do I say this? Uh, You know, politically speaking, I've always thought that people who are define themselves on one side or the other definitively, like no matter what, you know, my team, my rules, I don't care what the other side I said, like the issue I always have is they typically stay with with sort of that approach until something happens to to, to them, until there's a topic. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know how political you want me to get on here, but like the example I always use is. You know, Dick Cheney is about as, you know, the former vice president is about as conservative and a Republican as you can get. But on one topic, he was for the other way. And that was for gay marriage. He has a daughter who's who's uh, who's gay. Okay, Yeah. Yeah. And so that to me sort of feels like this. The people in the Washington, D.C. area are sort of on that other side of this. This is the name everybody's grown up with. It's part of the it's part of the conversation. I don't think most people remotely view it as being. being racist in the day-to-day conversation and again i would i would make the point that nationally this has been a name that's been used for for decades now and you know i i I don't you know all that so you know i i I think it's if if people are offended i have no issue changing the name of course i'm just saying it is a very complicated issue and that leads to the other like we're saying what what is the actual root of the issue is it just the name are we trying to do more for native americans i mean i'd like to hear people say if we're changing the name what's next what else are we doing to help the native americans it can't just be this name so sure. what, what what's that what's that conversation? And look, maybe this team can be a driving force behind it sort of in a weird way. Again, another weird example. But, you know, when Michael Vick with right. the dog with oh. the dogs, he went from being the the, the, the poster child. Yeah. yeah, right. Public enemy number one to a guy who ultimately was really helping, uh, you know, sort of changing Advanced. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so maybe there's something there. I, I don't I don't know. But, yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. And that's why I'm kind of curious why. They would move so quickly because this doesn't seem like it is such a it it is a complicated topic. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, guys, I'm joined by a friend of the program, my guy, Ben Standick. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Ben Standick and also make sure you read his work, man. Really 
dope writer. I mean, whether it's the draft, whether it's inside stuff with the football team, and we're going to get to the basketball team in a second. You want to make sure you check out all the dope stuff that he does, as well as everyone else in the area at The Athletic. And, uh, you know, as you said earlier, typically when you and I talk on the show, it's 100% focused on basketball. Um, and the NBA, you know, the I understand it's a business. I'm 100% get it. I'm not a businessman. You know, I don't pretend to be. There's a whole bunch of decisions that that organization has to make with a lot of commas attached to it. And I don't envy anybody in terms of this kind of restart program as it pertains to the bubble. Mind you, they are going to restart in what is now looked upon as the epicenter of this kind of, it's not even really a second wave, but like the, the spike in America is almost centered right in Florida. And this is right where all of these leagues are going to start or restart their operations. Um, we've seen some names who have said for different reasons, not just Corona, but for, you know, other reasons say that they're not going to partake in the NBA's restart. The biggest name thus far has been Victor Oladipo. Um, Bradley Bill, obviously Wizards superstar has said that he's still unsure if he's going to go down to Orlando for the restart. How likely is it that you think that more big names, not the Willie Cauley Steins or even the Davis Bertans, who was a significant player for the home team, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, not um, no one who's going to shake the needle that much. How many of the Oladipos or potentially Bradley Bills do you foresee saying, you know what, I'm not going down to Orlando? And if so, how does that impact the NBA's restart? Because it seems like they're skating on very thin ice as it's as it stands right now. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I like I totally get like I've been saying for weeks before Bertans made his call. I was like, wait, why is he going to play in this? It doesn't right. make any sense. The Wizards have no chance of of, yep. of doing anything. I mean, you know, if they won a game over Milwaukee, if they made the playoffs and then won a game against Milwaukee, that would be that would a be win. Huge. And, uh, right. Yeah, right, right, right. So so it just it seems unlikely. And then he obviously made that decision as a guy who's going to be a free agent. He's risking a lot of money. You know, with Bradley Beal, like he's under contract, but again, I kind of look at it like, what's the upside for 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 him? I mean, okay, sure, I guess he could will the Wizards into the playoffs. You know, they they have to finish. They if they to finish. Long story short, they have to win like two more games than the teams who are in the seventh or eighth seed um, over these eight games to to force a, a playoff and then a playing game situation, and then we go from there. So the you know. I don't know what's the upside for, for, for Bill. He had a great season. You know, he's got his own future to consider with. If you're looking at the Wizards from a long-term perspective, I, I would make the argument that the upside of Beal staying in is does not equal to the downside of him potentially getting hurt, hurt right. um, or getting sick. And also, like, you know, from the Wizards' perspective, let the younger guys play. Let Hachimura and Troy Brown and some of these guys do their thing. And so, that, but that's the Wizards' perspective. But any teams above them, Teams who have an actual shot to make the to, to not to, to contend for a title, which honestly, like under normal circumstances, we're only talking about three or four teams. I right. think in this crazy circumstance, really, it's I think fantastic. the field becomes wide, much wide open. Like Philadelphia, sure. like for nobody sure. would have picked them, but it's, but it's not that they don't have the talent. It's just they weren't. It wasn't clicking. Well, the, who knows who's clicking now? So exactly. Philadelphia could be in play. Houston could be in play. If you tell me Portland somewhat healthy and Dame Lillard goes off, sure, it's why? Right. So all the, anybody stars on those teams, I, I guess it really just ultimately comes down to flat out. 
do you how much do you crave to win this particular title this year versus you have to be stuck in Orlando you're taking some risk with regards to coronavirus you're, you're potentially being away from your family or if you're not you're bringing your family with you and they're exposing them to the circumstances I, I, you know, it is such a unique circumstance. I had somebody tell me the other day that they were sort of questioning Bradley Beal's competitiveness if he were to bail. And, and by the way, Beal, Beal said he was 50-50, which to me, my interpretation is he doesn't want to go. Right. You can't be 50-50 on this, I think. Yeah. You have to be all in or you're out. So I think he's, if I had to guess, he's looking for a way out, but he's not going to be the leader of that. Um I, I, you know, I, I just don't, you know, this is such a bizarre circumstance. I just don't know. I would totally get if guys were like, you know what? I, I, I just can't do this. I mean, I, it's just too much to deal with. Yeah, man. I, I really was just hearing you tell that story. I'm really against people questioning any, anytime someone questions someone's competitive drive, unless it's like, you know, in the middle of some, you know what I mean? Like more times than not, I'm completely against that. But in this scenario, that, I mean, that's cringeworthy. You know what I mean? Because, Literally, no one really knows what's happening when it comes to this virus. This bubble idea seems flawed, at least in my opinion. Fairly simple, you know, to put a big hole into what, what the NBA and their best, they're well-intentioned, but it doesn't seem like this thing is really foolproof. I would have no problem with any player, no matter how big or small, saying, you know what, I'm not doing it. Not to mention, Bill has two small children. Like, you know, come on, like, these guys have much more to think about than just kind of one championship that, like you said, the Wizards, realistically, they don't really have a chance to get out of the first round if they even get that far. You know what I mean? Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, I think it becomes much more curious for guys like or interesting for guys like LeBron, LeBron. who obviously went a lot. I mean, look, I don't know what you think to me. You know, I don't like the, I never have liked the asterisk term. I didn't like it when people talked about it in terms of, you know, Roger Maris. When I learned about that, I didn't like about it when you've had these various strike seasons. Either Like, like I just wrote a story for The Athletic um, during this pandemic about the Washington Redskins teams under Joe Gibbs of how they won three Super Bowls in, in, in four attempts over like 10 years and how it feels like they've always been historically overlooked in part for a variety of reasons. They didn't win back to back. They didn't have one stud quarterback. Right. Um, and also two of their Super Bowl wins came during strike seasons and that people, they, they, they think and talking to the former players that that has people giving them sort of the asterisky kind of vibe. And I think all that's nonsense. Right. This though, is, I mean, I don't know how we're going to get past oh. not giving this an asterisk for sure. I mean, we're already and like the idea of saying, well, Victor Oladipo, Bradley Beal, let's say they don't play, you know, people get hurt. But that's not the same thing here. And yeah. and, and not to mention, even if everybody plays right, the, the circumstances are completely changed. There's no home and road, which I know that everybody is everybody is has the same deal. But but that's, you know, that's unfair for the Milwaukee Bucks. Like part of the reason you think the Milwaukee Bucks could win is they'll have home court advantage throughout the playoffs. Or, you know, who, whomever, whoever it is. And also just you're going from having not played now for four months, five months to some sort of a training camp to not just playing games, but like going right into the playoffs, basically, after eight games. Right. Like that is a massive intensity difference. Um, so, you know, who knows what's going to happen? Plus, also, what happens when somebody's going to get sick? I mean, cause yep. logically, that's going to happen. It's and going it's to happen. Not- and it's not just going to be most likely one person. It could be two or three people on a team. And then what happens then? You know, so, uh, you know, it, the whole thing seems crazy. And I guess, you know, like, you know, look, if a LeBron wins a title or, or pick your other 
person of note, Kawhi or whomever, you know, it's obviously it goes on their record and all that, but, and that's, you know, that's important from, for things that now seem so irrelevant that we always discuss, but sure. right now I just don't, you know, you just have to wonder for these guys, how really important is all that stuff? 100%. Once again, guys, uh, this has been my guy, Ben Standick. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at Ben Standick reporter for the wizards and Washington, whatever they will end up being called for the athletic. Ben, thank you so much for carving some time out for me on during your busy schedule this weekend. Uh, have a safe holiday weekend, man. Armand, you do the same. Always appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk soon. Shout out to my guy, Ben Standing, for joining us this week. It's been a chaotic week, as you guys can imagine, for someone covering the football team, you know. So really, really dope reporter, dope writer. Make sure you follow him at The Athletic DC, an even better person. So shout out to my guy, Ben. All right, guys, three quarters are now in the books. So, of course, that means we are down to our final topic this week. Fourth quarter. There have been so much to happen over the past two weeks or so since the last time I spoke to you all. Even just in the last week, man, I one of the emails that I received was about the most recent versus battle between Jadakiss and Fab. You know, I'll probably answer this question next week, man, but they really did your man Fab dirty. We know about Cam Newton. Right. The the stories about Cam Newton going to New England wasn't able to talk about that. So, like, I knew when I started crafting this show, started doing kind of my rundown for it. I was like, all right, I know I'm going to talk about the football team. I know I'm going to talk about the NBA. And Ben was going to be kind enough to join the show. So I needed something else. And there was a lot of different topics, man. A lot. of I wanted to find a way to do my more. We did that this week. But you can start to see. Even when sports is not even happening in America, the, the 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 big four sports are not happening. College sports are not happening, and there's so many stuff. There's so many topics to discuss. So, first, before we get to the main point of this quarter, the next time you hear someone <clears throat> on sports radio or somebody who you listen to whose opinion on sports that you 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 hold high or whatever. And they complain about, oh man, how am I gonna, how am I gonna fill a show? How am I gonna talk about whatever the case may be with no sports? Nah, hold them accountable. This this podcast is probably gonna be close to two hours long, and not much filler. There are no commercial breaks. You understand? Talking about all sports, like I didn't even talk about the entertainment stuff. I wanted to get on here today and kill, not kill Fab, but be like, yo. Putting him, him up against Jadakiss was crazy. I'm Team Cameron versus Jadakiss all day, every day. I'm not even going to devote an entire quarter to that. There's so many things to talk about. So next time you hear your favorite sports talk host complain about not having any content to discuss, man, tell them stop being lazy. For real. But this fourth quarter, because, you know, I was going through different topics. And then this story, I guess... My homeboy, Brian Jackson, shout out to my man, B. Jax. He texted me and a bunch of dudes early in the morning, man, and he was super hyped. If you know B. Jax, you know he went to Howard. And if you know anybody from Howard, man, my daughter's mother went to Howard. Slim, she hasn't been to a Howard basketball game in God knows how long. And she was up here bragging about McCord Maker. She don't know. She couldn't even spot McCord Maker if he walked into whatever room she was in and dude is super tall wouldn't be able to point him out but that's the point right 
McCord maker going to Howard is such a huge story. And it just goes to show you another example of how this moment is so huge. Like things that could be looked upon as being inconsequential or something as significant as this. A top five-star recruit choosing to go to an HBCU, right? It's some it's maybe had a day. I mean, unless you're someone who's running into college sports or someone who loves HBCUs, obviously, if you went to Howard, this is super big for you. But this is a story that could, could fundamentally change college basketball, college sports moving forward. And if you're sitting here talking about, oh, man, Armand, you're being hyperbolic right now. You're just slicing the giant, blah, 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 blah. Hopefully, if you've listened to the show long enough, you know, I really don't. I try not to deal in hyperbole like that. I try not to cite my opinions. I, I, I really spend time thinking about it. But I'm, I'm reminded of an article I read some, some time ago. It was from uh, James King, you know, one of the Fab Five, right? And he was talking about how there was a period of time in Michigan where he and all of the other members of the Fab Five seriously discussed transferring to an HBCU. I really wish I remembered the publication. It wasn't a bit. It wasn't like Sports Illustrated or something. It was. It wasn't a. No disrespect to whomever, if you are listening, um, but it was a really dope interview or a piece because it really, for me, sat with me because I was thinking. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine if the Fab Five would have went to an HBCU? Now, a lot of you all may not be old enough to remember. I was, you know, in elementary school. This is, we talking 91. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that period of time, it were the sweats, the HBCU sweats and the, the crazy hats. And, like, it was a big thing, man. You know, different world was on at that time. You know what I'm talking about? So, we like that was a pivotal moment and you can just imagine if you try to right imagine how significant 30 years later the college basketball spectrum the college sports spectrum would have been if the fab five would have gone to an hbcu you understand what i'm saying like look at look at the guys who've gone overseas and those aren't like the top 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 guys some of them work, but there's been a steady, slow trend. Imagine if the best number one top-rated high school athlete went overseas and he didn't come back with the horror story. Imagine if Chris Webber, Jawan Howard, Jalen Rose, and the rest of the guys would have gone to an HBCU. And maybe they don't go to the national championship game, but maybe they I mean, we've seen HBCUs get to the second weekend. Like, come on. That would have been huge. So when I look at Maker and his decision to go to, to Howard, man, I'm so happy for that young man. I'm so proud of him. And I think that this could be, could be the start of something foundational. I mean, something that the, the term now was disruptors, right? You know, Uber and Lyft are considered disruptors uh, because they have – entered into a a market that was already existed before they came along and just completely changed the entire scope right netflix is a disruptor ask anyone who has ever worked at a blockbuster or a hollywood video the, I mean, the game is over 
going to an HBCU, and we talking Howard. Like, this is one thing that people got to understand, bro. Like, okay, Howard's basketball facilities, they're not grade A. They're not top-notch. And this is also something like, unless, I mean, we're talking about college basketball here. Obviously, college football, this wouldn't happen. The best five-star recruits would not go to an HBCU. Well, I shouldn't say that, but it's a much different basketball and football are much different, you know, just different leagues in terms of what you would need facility-wise, whatever. But I said this earlier. You can see, you can tell by what a person prioritizes by the amount of money and time they invest in. Howard's sports facilities aren't top-notch. We're not talking about US, UCLA. We're not talking about Texas, Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, and so forth and so on, right? But... You look at their journalism broadcasting school, like that's where they that's where they do. That's where they get down. One of the best schools for that in the entire nation. That's where they invest their money in. That's what they invest their time in, their pride. So it's not going to change with one player for one year. But man, imagine if Maker is able to bring some of the other top recruits, not just to Howard, but to other HBCUs. And again, it's important to note, Howard's basketball facilities aren't the greatest. But there are a lot of D1 college basketball schools and mid-major programs who don't have great facilities, right? Go to Virginia Union, go to Bowie State, among others. You will see very nice, you understand, very nice facilities. You go to some other, you go to Towson, right? You go to William, I mean, you know, no disrespect to any of these schools, but their basketball facilities aren't like, you know, they're not Florida. You know, some some of these mid-majors programs, their facilities aren't what people would make you think they are. You understand what I'm saying? Hell, look at College Park. Maryland is a basketball school. They're in the Big Ten, so they're a big state school, national champion basketball program, so many boosters. I mean, you know, big-time school. And their basketball team, or the basketball facilities, look as such. You understand? You go to that basketball arena, you look at, you, if you have a chance to go to their practice, like, it's it looks like a top-notch basketball school. Bird Stadium, and I know that they have, uh, they have added and they have developed and they have improved their facilities with their football team and program over the years. But even still, Look at their basketball facilities and look at their football excuse me, facilities. And there is no doubt that Maryland prioritizes their basketball program, as they should. If McCormaker and all these other guys start going to HBCUs, I mean, look, Howard has the, the advantage of being in a huge city. You can't tell me that McCormaker, if he's nice, if he's truly nice, he is going to love it here. It's not, a, it's not a college town. There's a difference. You go to Syracuse, that's a college town. Washington, D.C. is a major metropolitan city. There ain't no college town, bro. You understand? If you were in D.C., especially in basketball, and you are nice, like nice, nice, you're going to get the attention in the papers. You're going to get the attention on the radio. You're going to get the attention online. Dog, he... He has a chance to to really carve out a niche into a major metropolitan city. 
Dog, again, I'll go back to the Fab Five. Can you imagine Weber, Jalen, and Jawan and, and the rest of those guys in D.C.? Imagine if they would have went to Howard. You talk about a game changer, man. And there are going to be so many people telling him and other kids why this should not happen, why this would not work, why you should go another route. And I hope, I hope these these young men and women and their families, their parents, the people who hold Kodo in their inner circle, they can somehow stand with them if they choose to go to an HBCU and and and, and tell them, nah, man, it's this not going to be a horror story. You're not going to, you may not have the best facilities, right? But look, if you nice, you ain't going to stay in college anyway, for real. Like, let's be serious. McCormick Maker, if he, if his dreams go according to plan, he's not going for two years. He's going to go straight to the pros. We've all, we've already pulled back the curtain on this kind of student athlete, you know, myth that college sports has kind of uh, hung their hat on for the last several decades. Nah. Make the business decision. And playing in D.C., getting Howard into a tournament run, getting to the second weekend, if he could do that, if any of these young guys come to school and decide to go to an HBCU, you, man, like we're talking about a culture shift. And that's how you then build. So maybe the facilities in 2020, excuse me, 2020 are not up to par. But in 30 years, imagine of having this type of success, recruiting these type of players consistently, what that would do. It it doesn't take a lot, man. I remember being a broadcasting part of this George Mason's run. Remember when they went to the Final Four? If you would have gone to George, and George Mason's a beautiful school, don't get me wrong, but look at what they were able to do with that one Final Four run. Like we talk, I mean, their facilities changed completely. And again, that's a beautiful campus, beautiful school. wasn't bad to begin with, but yo, they changed their program. VC, I mean, oh, you in Richmond, you already know what time it is with VCU. This could be something special. And I've heard so many people try to poo-poo it or dismiss it and be like, yeah, yeah, but... Nah, man, you 18, you 17 years old. This is the time to take those risks. And man, when we talked about this a few weeks ago, risk reward. If you can be a part of not just making Howard, but of making HBCUs a powerful college basketball location. Imagine how in a few decades, history will look back on you and imagine the fun that McCormick, imagine the fun Maker will have at Howard whenever they start playing again. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I wish. You feel me? So shout out to him. And hopefully this is just the start of something new and something that is consistently happening year in and year out. Let me know what you guys think, man. All you HU alums, I know y'all happy. Hit me up. Let me know your thoughts on Maker or anything else you may have heard this week on the show. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Tweet at the show. Quarterly show. We spell it Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. Make sure you head on over to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever else you listen to podcasts. Download and subscribe. And if you don't mind, please rate and review the show. But more importantly, 
write a few words as to why you love the quarterly report podcast. I a little bit biased, but I just happen to believe that it's the best sports podcast that is out today. The best independent podcast that's going on, man. So spread the word. Tell me, tell your friends, tell the whole wide world why you rock with the quarterly report podcast. I once again want to thank my guy, Ben Stanick, for joining me this week. And of course, I want to thank each and every one of you all for carving some time out this holiday week for me and the show. I love each and every one of you. And I will see you guys right back here next Tuesday on another episode of the Quarterly Report.